Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Mindfully Chaotic. Today's episode is going to be different than most because for the first time ever, I am sharing the video, not just the audio. It's also the first time that I'm not doing it solo. I don't have only one guest, but I have an entire panel. And we definitely have some incredible things to share with you. With that being said, the topic of today's episode is mental health in honor of May being Mental Health Awareness Month. So I did wanna issue a bit of a trigger warning because although we do keep it light at times and share incredible resources and information and tips and tricks and methods and stories to help relate and support you on your mental health journeys, I understand that it may not be easy for you to listen to all of this. There is a moment, actually a few moments, where we do touch upon the topic of suicide. So if you think that this episode is gonna be a little too difficult for you, then just skip out on it and join us for the next one. No hard feelings. What's most important is that you do what's best for you and that you honor yourself. So with that being said, if you are choosing to stick around and listen to this episode, let's get started. And if not, we'll see you next time. Welcome to Mindfully Chaotic. I'm Amanda Marie, New England-based intuitive healer, community builder, manifestation artist, and founder of Wicked Smart Wellness. Life is a journey unique to each and every one of us with ups and downs and curves and an infinite amount of possibilities. I know firsthand what it's like to feel defeated, but I've learned how to challenge life and create opportunities and abundance for myself as I move forward down any and every path I choose. My intention is to guide you to harness your own power to create for yourself the journey that you thought was only possible in your dreams. Growth does not need to happen alone, so between myself and occasional guests from the community, I will share with you the tools to shift your mindset, strengthen your intuition, and bring forward all of your intentions. When you live and speak your truth, what you say and do will manifest. Thank you for listening to Mindfully Chaotic. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Mindfully Chaotic. I'm Amanda Marie, founder of Wicked Smart Wellness, and today I have an extremely special episode for you, and it's special for so many reasons. One of them being, it's about a topic that's near and dear to my heart, and I already started saying health because it involves health, uh, mental health. It is Mental Health Awareness Month, so to wrap up this month, I decided to come together with a group of some incredible incredible people who all have different backgrounds, different perspectives. They're all in different professions and do different things regarding mental health each and every day. So we're going to come together and share with you some tips, some tricks, some methods, some stories, just anything that we can to help you on your day and in your journey as you make it through life and deal with your own mental health. And you know what? I want to start by saying that mental health is really, really important to me. It's something that started my entire journey. I'm not sure if everyone knows this, so I do want to quickly let everyone know that Wicked Smart Wellness was born because I personally needed to figure out how to manage my own mental health. I have tried so many 
traditional methods, which work for so many people, which is why I have such a diverse background of people here, because there are so many different methods. But I was trying all of those traditional methods that unfortunately didn't work for me. So I had to figure out some different methods in which would work for me. So what I do on a daily basis is I work with clients to help find what methods will work for them, whether it be a traditional talk therapy, whether it be an alternative medicine practice, whether it be something as simple as dancing around barefoot in the sun. Sometimes it's, it, it's, it's just different for each and every person and that is okay. So I brought together a group of people who are gonna help us share some different ways to help get a hold on our mental health. And if you're sitting here and you're thinking, my mental health is fine, I don't need any help that's great. And I'm very happy for you. It may still be nice for you to listen to this in case someone comes around in your life that is looking for help and you're able to point them in the direction, or maybe something happens somewhere down the line um, in life where all of a sudden you do find yourself needing a little extra support. Most importantly, the biggest point of all of this is that I just want everyone to know that the support is out there. It's not always easy to find when you feel stuck when you feel lost, when you're dealing with all this and you're in the height of this, it could feel impossible sometimes, but it's not impossible. We are out here. There are so many people out here for you. So with that being said, I am going to take this time to pass on the mic to my wonderful panel of friends here. Let them tell you who they are, what they do, and something that they do in their practice to help people with their mental health. Hello, I am Dr. Catherine Toomer. I am a family medicine and community health physician who's the founder of Health Wellness and Weight Loss Centers or what Weight Care Center. And the reason I founded um, my center was because um, I had a health crisis. I was an insulin dependent diabetic. I was severely overweight. And um, when my daughter was born, a month after she was born, I was diagnosed with congestive heart failure related to pregnancy. And I was told at the time that I had a 50% chance of living five years. And I knew I had to do something because I had a toddler and a newborn and I couldn't. I couldn't get myself motivated to do the things I knew I needed to do in order to save my life and be here for my children. And I had been trained in what's called a biopsychosocial system which looks at the whole person, but I wasn't applying it to myself. And when I did, I realized it wasn't, I wasn't looking at the cause of my lack of motivation and what it was, I had chronic depression. I had diagnosis depression, which often goes along with cardiac disease. And I had postpartum depression. And when I was, when it got to the point where I was falling asleep and hoping that I didn't wake up, I knew that I had to address the source. And so I went, instead of trying to control my diabetes, lose weight, or I just, you know, I couldn't do anything about my heart. I just focused squarely on my depression. And when I did that, everything turned around. And within six months, I had lost enough weight so that I could come off insulin. Um, this has been 21 years ago, I'm still alive. And um, I've, I've lost now a total of about 100 pounds, but that was never the focus. However, people kept coming to me asking me, how did you lose the weight? How did you lose the weight? And so I tried to help people lose weight, but I always went from a biopsychosocial approach, 
And so I always screened for mental illness and mental and to get people's mental health in order because compliance is tied to mental health. Um, you know, whether you feel you deserve to be healthy is tied to mental health. Whether you even want to be healthy is tied to mental health. And no one was screening. We were just throwing medicine at the results and not the cause. And so I created my own program. And so now what I do is I, just like, you know, others, I find the cause of why or what it is and what it takes for people to get healthy in all aspects of their life, their biology, their psychology, and the life around them and their family life. Hello, um, my name is Jamie Sullivan and I am a licensed independent clinical social worker. I work at a community mental health agency in New Hampshire. I am a therapist as well as a supervisor in my community mental health agency. Uh, the population that I work with is uh, the majority of the folks I, I work with uh, live with borderline personality disorder. And that is um, <clears throat> an evidence-based treatment for BPD is called dialectical behavioral therapy. I've been fortunate enough to uh, be intensively trained um, with a program called Behavioral Tech, which was created by Marsha Linehan. Marsha Linehan created dialectical behavioral therapy when she herself was um, inpatient for suicidal ideation and self-harming behaviors. Goosebumps thinking about her. Um, and so I do a lot of Marsha Linehan's uh, creating a life worth living. That is her motto, her mantra. And the folks I work with um, are low income, uh, severe and persistent mental illness. Um, and it's really hard to help people feel okay in the society that we're living in today. I am so happy to be a part of this and to share DBT and the skills that I teach my patients. When I'm talking to maybe somebody in my family or a friend that doesn't understand what I do, um, I say I teach coping skills on how to live because life is very difficult. And that I often, and I'm sure we're gonna talk about this, I go back to basics. When was the last time you drank eight ounces of water? When was the last time you, know, you took a shower mindfully? Um, so I could talk all day about DBT skills, um, but that's what I do. And that's about that, uh, the population that I work with. And, and thank you, Amanda, for having me be a part of this. Hi everyone, I'm Shane Thrapp. I am a, a licensed life uh, coach. I specialize in ADHD relationships and careers. I work primarily with people who are between ages of 35 and 65, um, sometimes with uh, people around the age of 30, just kind of depending on where they're from, culturally speaking. Uh, I work with people who were either diagnosed early on with ADHD and kind of got lost in the system, simply just medicated without any coping mechanisms, or were diagnosed later on in life as their uh, as they uh, lost the coping mechanisms that they uh, had developed to manage their ADHD naturally. Uh, one of the things that I help my clients with is to kind of understand the holistic nature of how to um, create an entire system 
around yourself, not just with medication, but with therapy, with working directly with a psychiatrist so that you're able to kind of manage any comorbidity disorders that you're dealing with, and then also building a, a support structure around yourself of being able to um, understand who you are, how your ADHD and comorbidities affect you, and how to explain that to the people around you so that people aren't causing ongoing trauma by disregarding the mental health issues that you deal with. Um, I also help clients with um, you know, developing the relationship skills, the communication skills, developing an understandings of different types of relationships, such as ethical non-monogamy, or uh, simply understanding the different uh, ways that they can show their um, the people around them that they care about them in different ways, and understanding what their love languages uh, are, not just in their you know intimate relationships, but also with their friends and coworkers. Um, I do this because, you know, for, you know, a very long time, I had a suspicion that I had ADHD. My, my oldest son was diagnosed with a uh, was uh, suspected to have ADHD um, much earlier in life. And my ex-wife was not very supportive of mental health. So I thought I had to step up and be the person who could help him. What during that journey of understanding and learning about ADHD, I started going, okay, well, there's... <laughs> a lot of things here that I deal with. And, you know, as I kept going through the journey, it took me multiple times of going to different psychiatrists to finally find a psychiatrist who said, um, you know, we think you have ADHD because the first doctor I went to, they said, oh, well, we think you have bipolar disorder. And they would give me bipolar meds and they would make me feel like, they, they would make me feel horrible. And, I never got better. The second doctor I went to, because, you know, get a second opinion, uh, they wanted to give me, they diagnosed me with major depressive disorder, and the medicine that they gave me worked for a little thing, a few things, but then it didn't really do a whole lot else. And finally, I found another doctor. I had a suspicion that I had ADHD. I had done a lot of research on the, the likelihood of misdiagnosing other uh, comorbidities um, other than, you know, outside of ADHD as the main issue. And once I had a discussion with him, he did the diagnostic on me, and I discovered I have severe ADHD uh, combined. And I have built the structure around myself. I have spent time, you know, with my wife, who's a special needs teacher uh, of over 20 years, and we have kind of developed a system where we help people um, come to understand how to avoid the mistakes and the pitfalls that are common within um, getting um, prescribed medication and, and trying to figure out what all you need to kind of manage your ADHD because it's a lifelong um, um, condition that people deal with. Hey, good afternoon, everyone. I'm um, Dr. Kendrick Bailey, and I'm the co-owner of iProgress LLC. So we are a mental health well-being company out of Jackson, Mississippi. And I focus on helping people heal from their personal trauma and discover their life purpose. And I focus on seven core areas, spiritual, mental, emotional, 
um, relational, financial, and purposeful and helping people understand from a holistic perspective how to kind of overcome what they're experiencing. Um, I'm a combat veteran. And so through some of my experiences, you know, I've worked a lot with PTSD, relationships, depression, and anxiety. And I just try to navigate, help people navigate life by finding the answers and resources to their concerns um, instead of, you know, them coming to me as a professional and being the expert and having them dependent upon me for answers. And so I really empower people to get a grasp of who they are, what they want, and understand how coming to therapy has, uh, what coming before therapy, what it did for them, but bringing the awareness to everything and understanding the next steps in their journey. Um, so purpose, discovery, and focusing on true north and establishing a healthy community around them, whether it's family, whether it's coworkers, whether it's colleagues, whether it's romantic relationships, making sure they have the people around them um, that feed them and want to help them be better, but them also connecting with other people in their lives where they can help them be better as well. So it's really a community system um, focusing on creating um, a life that's focused on purpose, but you know, doing what you were created to do. And so and I'm training a lot of evidence-based treatments, um, cognitive processing therapy, prolonged exposure therapy, and cognitive behavioral therapy. And I use my expertise in those areas to help people um, get better. So uh, thanks, Amanda, for having me on. Um, that's awesome. I, I love that. The, the combat veteran um, from Kendrick, um, I can relate. I was in the military here in Canada. So, um, but yeah, a little bit of me, uh, the whole, if you've gone through it, you sort of understand it. So I was sexually abused by my stepdad it sucked, but it's a story that has allowed me to be where I am. My mom's bipolar, suicidal, the whole nine yards, um, dealing with those behaviors and then dealing with that, um, that environment as a child, uh, as a teenager, you sort of, uh, you look at the world in a different manner from there. I decided to, you know, go into yoga tried that didn't really fit my uh my jive too well and i knew that my environment at, you know my belonging for my family wasn't there so the whole feelings of abandonment because i i didn't have a birth father oh well i did but don't know who he is so i decided to travel over to australia where i ended up being there for 10 years that's where the the healing process for myself um was and from there I did CBT, I did um, tapping, I did psychotherapy, I did so Reiki, uh, I've done Qigong, I've done just even basic nutritional and fitness, uh, you know, nutritional well-being to as well as breath work. You know, a lot of people that I've found out don't even know how to breathe properly, even though we need it as a necessity. Um, so I started to figure out, hey, is this just me that has all these issues or is it just other people when I started asking around people finding out they're depressed suicidal you know I guys you know being divorced and they you know a friend of mine was divorced and he didn't want to get out of bed to everything I was like I got to do something so no I'm not an MD no I'm not a doctor no I'm not a I'm not qualified in any way shape or form just someone who has decided that there's something that's need to be calling and I think uh listening to everybody I think we're on the same path 
I've created a mental health platform called MB Mental Health, directed more for um, people that play mobile games um, and that allow for more direct access. So I'm not the person that gives the experience or the, the tutelage or the, um, the oversight. I'm the person that directs you to the right people that will help you out. So I'm very grateful for this opportunity and I look forward to having a further discussion. Wow. So <laughs> after everything you all just said, I have gotten the chills literally each and every single time you have all spoken. So I'm just gonna take a quick second to compose myself before I continue because this is all incredible. One of the things I do wanna say before I continue on is Kendrick and Chris, thank you very much for your service. Um, Chris, don't invalidate your qualifications. Experience is enough. What you're going through is enough. And what you're doing for the community is more than enough. And we're grateful to have people like you out here doing this. Now, a reminder, part of the reason I chose this specific panel and each member who's on it is because of the differences that we all share um, with our background in mental health. One of the things I wanna draw attention to is if, um, if anyone else has noticed, each person that just spoke has mentioned a different mental disorder that they work closely next to. There are hundreds of them. And sometimes we don't know which ones we might have. Sometimes we don't, sometimes people can get diagnosed with something that we don't even know exists yet. And I get it because I personally am actually with you, Chris. I technically, my qual, I mean, I am a Reiki master teacher as of now. So I do have the alternative medicine um, under my belt, but I agree with you. I went through a phase where I convinced myself that I wasn't qualified to speak on this either. When in reality, what started this all was actually just my own mental health journey, my own personal struggles. It was intense anxiety that eventually led to depression, which it wasn't until recently, recently got diagnosed as PTSD, which it turns out none of those other stuff would even happen without that. Like, it's just a whole cycle of different things. And it's something that I've learned how to, actually, let me rephrase that. It's something I'm still learning to get a hold on for myself. So I figured that the best that I can do is share with people what works for me. And if it works for them too, that's great. If it doesn't, hopefully we can find something else that does. So that's why we're all here. And I appreciate each and every one of you joining me. I appreciate each and every one of you sharing your stories. And I just know that this is gonna be an incredible discussion because that was an incredible introduction <laughs> from each and every one of you. So thank you so much. Um, with that being said, you Chris specifically said something at the end there that I think is a perfect segue into our conversation. And it was about how you weren't really sure what was wrong. You weren't really sure who else was out there and who else might be dealing with this, but you knew that there had to be other people going through what you were going through. And that's why you do what you do. So with that being said, I wanna jump into the topic of the fact that if you break your leg and you're wearing a cast, everyone is so ready to help you. Everyone is so ready to grab your bags and let you hold their arm and lead the way that would, because you are clearly in pain and they can visibly see it. Unfortunately, mental health, even though it's just as real as physical health, it is not as visible. It's usually only visible when you get to your breaking point and you're sad and you're having breakdowns and you don't know how to deal with it and you don't know where to go and you don't know who to ask for help and you don't know what to do. And then by that point, you feel like a mess. And 
people don't really know how to help because you're at a point where it's like everyone, no one just knows how to handle it because we're so far gone. And why does that happen? Because a lot of times we, we're afraid. We don't know what's wrong with us. We don't know who we can ask for help. We don't know where to go for help. But the thing is, the help is out there. So I want to open the floor and I want to ask each and every one of these amazing panelists here, what, it, what advice would you give to someone who says, I know something's wrong. I know that I shouldn't wake up and feel sad every day, or I know that I need to be getting more than just one simple task. By the way, that is not a dig at anyone who has ADHD. That's a dig at myself who has ADHD because I am very proud to check three things off of a checklist with about 80 each day. <laughs> so no shame to you if you can't get more than three things done a day. However, if you're waking up and you want to and you want to figure out how to get more done or you're trying to figure out how to not want to sleep all day or how do I go out and hang out with my friends without my chest feeling like a hundred pound weight is sitting on it. How do I do this? How, 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 what do I do? Where do I go? I'm going to open the floor to whoever wants to give us that answer. Uh, I'll start. And then I think for myself, being someone who is figuring out, you know what, what and how is, I think, ask, I think it's being like, as a man, I'll say this, as a man, you want to be like the protector, looking after looking after your family, your family dynamic, whatever that may be, or your friends. I think being vulnerable and maybe writing that down and finding out what makes you vulnerable, being vulnerable, I think now in today's society should be admired, should be uh, comm commended. At the same time, we are still in an era where I think being vulnerable, people use it against you. And that's why I think I've seen a lot of guys going, I ain't saying shit like i ain't saying anything about anything because it's going to be used against me it's going to make me look weaker um do i think it's people being weaker no so i guess for me would be try to be vulnerable whatever that looks like to you if that's writing a little letter to yourself about saying your deepest fears or deepest inadequacies or talking to a friend or a family member that you know that you can trust and be safe in be vulnerable 100 percent Thank you so much, Chris. I appreciate that. I think that's fantastic advice. And I, I, couldn't, I couldn't agree with that more. I do think that I'm glad, you, I'm glad you raised that point because I know that this is a problem for everyone. I know that everyone deals with mental health, but I do agree that sometimes we live in a world, like not sometimes, we do live in a world where certain people are told that they have to be strong, they have to be tough. And then it's hard to come out and get that help when you need it. So I encourage people to recognize that the strongest thing you can do is get that help for yourself. Because if you are not, now it's funny because if you go listen to any of my other episodes, I kind of say this all the time. <laughs> um, it's my favorite reference, it's used everywhere, but you're going down on a plane, you gotta put your oxygen mask on first. You can't help anyone if you're not helping yourself. You cannot, you need to be able to breathe. You need to be able to breathe in order to help others. So with that being said, I appreciate what you just shared with us. I think that you opening up and being vulnerable is incredible and I am grateful and I hope that it helps encourage others to do the same as well. Um, Shane, you've had your hand raised for a while, so I'd love to hear what you have. And then right after that, we can pop right over to Catherine and let her take it from there. So 
you know, I created my uh, my business grading order from chaos because there's a lot of people out there and not just people who uh, think or think or know that they have ADHD, but there's just a lot of people out there who's just they they don't know what's wrong. Right. They've lived their entire lives. And, you know, especially and I grew up in Texas, the American South, and our entire culture is built around this, you know, John Wayne style cowboy pull them up by their, you know, uh, bootstraps kind of mentality. And, you know, there's so many people who just ignore all the signs of what they're going through. And they feel like the outsider always looking in and they wear these, they, they start to wear these masks of what they think is supposed to be this super strong person, um, not just men, but also women. And, you know, they put on these masks and, and there's just enough difference that it hits that uncanny valley um, point around with the people who are around them and they come off inauthentic and they don't come off as a, a real person. And so the people around them still understand that this person's uh, different. And in our society, we don't do different. If you don't toe the status quo, if you don't present a certain front, if you don't um, act a certain way, then the people who have built their uh, their persona around this toxic masculinity or toxic femininity of putting the people around you down and making yourself something more than you are, you know, they just don't know how much damage that they're doing to the people who are struggling already. And our parents don't know enough about this and our teachers aren't aware enough about this. And when it comes to ADHD, a lot of medical professionals don't understand it enough. And, you know, because it's not really taught, you know, as strenuously as it should be, um, even through, you know, medical school, you know, and that's where we're kind of failing a lot of people who are neurodivergent because we just don't you know, scientifically, medically speaking, we understand this very well, but in the mainstream society, we don't understand it at all. And because of that difference and because of that pain that people feel of who they are and how they feel like they've been told that they ha have failed all their lives, they've never lived up their, to their potential, they've never lived up uh, to their parents' expectations, the teachers' expectations, society's expectations, they don't know that they should just be themselves. And one of the things I really work really hard on is teaching people that it's okay to live a life that others may not understand. Thank you so much for that, Shane. That was great. And as I said, we are going to move on to Catherine right now. But before we do, I just want to touch upon one quick thing that Shane just said, because um, we, as you just mentioned, the idea of toxic masculinity and the idea of toxic femininity as well. So I just want to remind people too, that it could be anything. We've all been put into these roles where we're convinced that we're supposed to be a certain person and live a certain way. So I just wanted to give a quick little example in my own personal life, because I am a mother. And after I had my son, I was diagnosed with some PPD, which is interesting because it's almost like I'm over here like, well, what's the damn difference? I already have depression. I already have anxiety. Like, what do you mean I have PPD too? How could that even be any different? Um, and I was like, no, 
there's no way because I have to be a good mom. I have to be strong for my son. I have to do everything I have to do for him. This is fine. I'm going to get over this. This is going to be okay. And I pushed it, pushed it, pushed it, pushed it, pushed it down until it blew up on my face. And I was basically hurting people I loved around me because I was coping in unhealthy ways because I did not realize how far gone I was letting this go. Now I was taking care of my son. He was doing fine. I made sure he was getting fed. I made sure he was getting love. I made sure he was happy, but I wasn't taking care of me. And I was taking it out on other people around me because in my head, I convinced myself I'm a mom. So I have to take care of my son. And that's my only job here. And that's what I have to do. And parenthood is not the only role that this happens in. This happens if you're a doctor. It could happen if you're a therapist. I'm sure you've all heard the term wounded healer. We go out there and we feel like we have to do, do, do for others. And we put ourselves on the back burner, but instead of trying to fit into that role of who we believe that we're supposed to be, it's important to take the time to learn who it is that we truly are, who we want to be and what's best for us so that we can actually help ourselves again, because if we're not helping ourselves, how can we help anyone else? Thank you for uh, letting me add that little rant in there, Catherine, please take it away. (laughs) Well, um, if I understand your original question was what should people do? And um, as a physician it's very difficult because often our licenses are tied to whether we can perform our job and mental illness or our mental health is called into question. If so often what we'll do is we hide it. We won't seek help. I was myself included because you're worried that somehow it's going to end up on a questionnaire. Have you ever been treated for? And if you say yes, suddenly your license is jeopardized. Even if it doesn't have any effect whatsoever on your work, it doesn't matter. And so often what I tell people, particularly physicians, particularly people who are certified in different things that require them to then um, you know, apply for licenses and other things, is to find someone who considers something's not right is a real symptom. If someone walks in, if you walk in and you say to your, usually it's often primary care, which I am, so I get that a lot. I get people, I'm, I'm often the first stop for many people. And if they, if they say, I don't feel right, something's not right, I listen and I don't tell people what it is. There are screening mechanisms out there for depression, for ADHD, for anxiety, for you know childhood trauma. And if whoever you seek out does not start asking those questions, start screening, start trying to come up with a reason rather than just telling you what a diagnosis is, throwing a medication at you and saying, go on your way, find someone else. Don't stop looking. Just keep looking until you find the person that says, okay, I'm gonna sit here and listen and let you tell me what's going on. And then I will assist you in finding the person that can help you do it. We're not, you know, as was mentioned, you know, depending on what medical school you go to, depending on what residency program you go to, physicians are not trained always. ADHD, for some reason, pediatricians get taught about it. Nobody else does. Well, family medicine, fortunately, I did. Um, I happened to have gone to a program where, you know, herbal medications, holistic medication, you know, massages, acupuncture, we're all considered part of medicine, but not everybody has that. And so if it doesn't feel right, if you don't feel like you're getting what you need, go to someone else. You have that right. 
And that's really, really what's important. And so for me, what happened is fortunately, you know, because I am medically trained, it's both, it both helped and it hurt me. And so I knew what to do and I knew how to do it, but I didn't know where to go. And often what I was told is you're too high risk, you're too this, you're too that, we can't help you focus on your heart. Don't. And I was like, I can't even get healthy because of my heart because my depression is in the way. And so sadly, what I ended up having to do was treating myself, but most people don't have that option. And so just keep seeking help. And I'm fortunately in, this, in the US, uh, not as much in other countries, but in the US, we have such a shortage in pe of people who are trained, who are truly trained and who are given the time to do their jobs properly that um, it sometimes takes a while to find that person, but you just have to keep looking and keep asking and keep just saying, you know, I need help. And if you don't feel like you're getting that help, go to someone else. It's your right. That's what I have to say. Oh, Catherine, 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 I could not have said that better myself. Um, I'm sorry that you had to go through such a process for yourself, but I am so like excited to hear that you were able to come out on the other side of that. I know it's not easy. Um, I, and that's, you know what, that is the biggest highlight of what you said that I want to point out is first off, if you don't feel right, that's enough to look into it and to see someone and to try to figure out why. Second off, if you go see someone and you still don't feel right, you don't feel like you're getting the help that you need. You don't feel like they're actually giving you what they want. Don't stop. Don't stop until you do find that person. Don't stop until you find someone who is able to help you. And with that being said, I also want to add to what um, Catherine just said about how, unfortunately, there are not that many people, like in the ratio compared to the amount of people in the world, in the amount of people who need help, there are not that many people that are trained that are able to do this, which is why it is important to try to also find other ways to get this help along the way. You should not stop looking for that professional to get your help 100%, but there are other methods that you can utilize on your own, at home, with friends, support groups. And it's important not to give up just because someone tells you that they can't help you because there always will be someone that can. Can I just add something very quickly? Of course Also be can. very wary of people who say they're the only person who can help you. That's a fantastic point, absolutely. Because there are a lot of people who will project pathology onto you and then tell you they're the only person who can help and then of course they you know ask for astronomical fees in order to do that no I think that's a fantastic point I think just like with anything else especially because this is your health that's at stake it's important to do your research it's very very important to do your research know who it is that you're going to be working with and you know what one of the biggest things that I would actually suggest to do too if you don't know where to begin ask a friend I guarantee you, no matter what you think, even if you think you're the only one struggling with your friends and family around you, you are not. Other people have gone through things as well, and they may have resources. They may know a great therapist. They may know a good doctor. They might know a good Reiki practitioner. They might know someone who can help you in some way, at least to get you started on your journey towards where it is that you need to be going. Because you know what? Um, I'm going to pass the mic on to Shane. That way he can jump in because I have a feeling he's about to add on to what I was just saying anyway. 
And um, what I was going to say, though, is sometimes it can take a very long time before you're sitting down in that doctor's office and you are able to get a prescription for a medication that may help you or an appointment with a therapist to sit and talk to weekly. So it's, it's really important to try to find some of the methods that you can utilize along the way as well. Shane? Um, I wanted to chime in here. Uh, Catherine uh, mentioned it, but I also wanted to mention uh, to talk about that because one of the biggest, and I, I had to get my fidget uh, things. So I was like uh, losing my mind over here. Um, uh, so, you know, when you are trying, whenever you're trying to figure out what's wrong with you, think about if you have um, a stomach ache and it's, and it's pretty severe and, you know, you, you, you kind of you Google the, the thing and stuff like that. And you see stuff like, uh, well, if it's on the right side, it might be appendicitis or it could be a kidney stone or you could have cancer, you know, WebMD. And, you know, you don't just ignore it, right? If, it's, if it keeps getting worse and worse, you don't ignore it. You talk to a doctor and, you know, you start with your general practitioner. You say, hey, I'm going through this issue. Like, this is what I'm dealing with. And the doctor kind of gives you the guidance and say, you know, if it's severe enough and they can't get into the doctor's office, go to urgent care, go to emergency emergency room, get checked out. And like, we don't ignore that. You know, nobody ignores that. They look, okay, that, you know, this is kind of severe. But then, you know, if you go to a doctor and they sit here and they say, oh, well, here's some Tylenol, you'll be fine, go home. You could die of appendicitis or sit there suffering in agony from a kidney stone. You know, so, you know, like Catherine said, if you feel like you have depression, you know, find a psychiatrist who understands, you know, mental health and depression specifically, do the Google on that, and then see, you know, and ask friends about, you know, specific psychiatrists that they saw that understood depression for them and and get get the diagnosis and see if they can help you with it the thing you know with uh i'll use adhd as an example you know there's so many co comorbidities that go along with it and that's why it's so often misdiagnosed because when you have adhd you almost 50 percent of people also have depression or anxiety or ptsd and it's super important to find somebody who understands ADHD and how to learn about it and, and, and understand how to give you the overall thing. Because again, if all they do is throw Ritalin or Adderall at you, then they're being irresponsible for their profession. It, because we know now, there's the uh, understanding out there now of the that there's so much more importance on therapy and um, the structure around yourself and those things no matter where you're at you can go ahead and get put in place and and have that um that done while you're waiting so like we'll use the nhs and uh the uk as example you know those those waiting lines for psychiatry to get tested can be years in the making i run an uh, adhd men's support group on facebook and you know there's 9400 men on there and a bunch of them are from the uk and they talk about two and three years to be on a waiting list but there's other things that you can do in the meantime that will help you these holistic methodologies the you know the different practices of of going to a therapist or working with a life coach or working with a a, a therapy group a support group the, you can go ahead and get these things in place and start learning about the uh, the thing that you're dealing with learning about depression learning about bipolar disorder and how it affects you and then once you know that once you're getting, gaining that self-awareness of you and your uh, disability or disorder or illness then you can start taking into consideration these other methodologies and talking to the people about them 
I use a tool called IDR Labs, and you know it's got a bunch of very short um, diagnostic questionnaires that are based on solid science, and that'll give you a really good um, breakdown of what you may have. And you can take that information to your doctor and say, hey, I need to speak to a doctor about this thing. I feel like I have this. This explains a lot about my life. You know, and you know, it's not a diagnosis. They never claim that it's a diagnosis, but it gives you a direction to go. That's fantastic. Um, thank you so much for sharing that, Shane, because it's very true. You made a lot of great points. Uh, you know, quick little tidbit about how when I originally got diagnosed, um, I want everyone to know that I went in and out of the hospital for almost a year and a half being tested for GI issues, when in the end we found out it was my anxiety. Like, I'm not kidding. I had almost every test done to test my physical body. And it took almost a year and a half before someone finally said, oh wait, it could, it could be in here. Like this could be what's causing this. So um, I just wanted to bring attention to that because Shane did mention the fact that like when you have a stomach ache, you take it serious and you go to the doctors. So if you have something going on in here or in your heart or anywhere else, it's important to follow along and follow up with that as well. Because just because it's not something that someone can see, it's something um, that, it's something that's real. Whether anyone can see it or not, it's real. And I am going to uh, pass the floor on to Jamie. However, real quickly, I want to let Chris say goodbye because he has to pop off. <laughs> thank you so Rick, much for thank joining Thank you for us. having me, guys. I really appreciate it. And I definitely will be seeing everybody in the future. So thank you very much for your everybody's time. Thank you. Thank you for joining us, Chris. Have a wonderful rest of your day. And with that being said, um, yeah, so I was just saying, chase it down and figure it out, no matter what it takes. Jamie, please take it away. Okay, so a couple things, if I may. Um, I wanted to speak to the therapeutic alliance, which we were just talking about. You know, if you're not comfortable with the person that you're talking with, find somebody else. Um, the problem with that is there are wait lists all over the place. Um, <clears throat> let's see. I have two clinicians on my team, myself included. We each have about 36, 37 patients that we see, and we have a wait list of 30. That's just my one team. There's three other teams that are a lot bigger than mine. Um, the population that I work with is um, can be a little more difficult. So we have a smaller caseload and a smaller, but um, yes, so the wait lists are crazy. And when I started there, and it actually four years ago tomorrow, is um, the anniversary date of being at my community mental health center. And that, I am an anomaly. The turnover rate at community mental health centers is alarming. It's really alarming. And when I got there, patients were, you know, how long are you gonna be here? You're not gonna be here long. I'm not gonna bother talking to you because you're gonna leave. Six weeks into my employment, my daughter, had broken her leg and was diagnosed with a chronic nerve condition. I had to leave my job to bring her to an, um, a rehab for eight weeks. So here I am trying to build an alliance with these people whose therapists have come and go, come and go, come and go, and I had to leave. <clears throat> and I came back. So um, 
the therapeutic alliance is so important. I lost my brother 19 years ago to, he was a drunk driver and he was in an accident and it caused several deaths, including my cousin. And my grief journey, my own mental health journey, my own physical health journey has all been um, intertwined with that event. And I know that um, mind and body connection is just so incredibly important. When he, when the accident happened, um, I was very sick. I had stomach issues, diarrhea. My hair was falling out. I was incredibly stressed. I was fortunate enough to get hooked up with a primary care doctor who listened to me and gave me referrals to therapists. He gave me medicines to help with my anxiety and my depression. I'm still taking those today. And I'm drinking a ton of water. I get a ton of sleep. I go to bed so early. My, my kids are 18 and 17. I don't see them because I'm in bed before they even get home. Um, I did a 10 minute meditation this morning. I do yoga. I go outside and I walk in my yard in bare feet to try to connect. So um, <clears throat> therapy along with medications, along with all of the holistic approaches that are available to us are all important. Um, and then I just wanted to touch on something that you said, Amanda, because your GI problems were caused by your anxiety. My child is in the process of being diagnosed with Ehlers-Danlos syndrome. It's a genetic disorder that causes connective tissue problems and a whole host of other things. Um, every person we've seen in the medical community is telling her it's right here. And it is right here and it's here and it's everywhere else. So this is really interesting. What I teach for DBT, dialectical behavioral therapy, I will accept exactly where you're at and I will ask you to change. Acceptance and change. So I have to accept what's going on with her and we have to look for changes in the medical community. I will accept um, my patients who are suicidal and self-harming and I will ask them to please change. Please get more rest. Please go outside. If you can't step outside because you're too anxious, can you go to the window and just put your face to the sun? Please free yourself because you are worth it. You are worth every moment of that. So thank you. Thank you so much, Jamie. Um, thank you for being so vulnerable and for sharing with us. I actually just got extremely emotional listening to you share your story for multiple reasons because it's true, it's authentic, and it's relatable. And for different reasons, there's just so many things that uh, we all go through and so many things I wanna say to that. But the number one thing I wanna say to that that you said that I wanna highlight for each person is, if you go to a doctor and they tell you it's all in your head, then you know what your response should be? Damn right it is, it's in my head. Something's wrong in my head and I need help up there too. <laughs> just because it's not something else doesn't mean nothing's wrong, it, it is in my head. It is in my brain. We're allowed to have things wrong that you cannot see. And I am so sick of the whole, you're crazy. You're making it up. It's all up here. No, it is up here, but that doesn't make you crazy. It doesn't mean you're making it up because if it's real to you, it's fucking real. And with that being said, Kendrick had his hand up for a really long time. And so didn't Catherine. So I'm going to just like 
back myself up for a moment and let them both go from here. <laughs> okay. So one of the first things I do in, in working with, you know, everyone I work with is I, I tell people to give themselves permission to think and feel what you think and feel. Um, because everybody's an expert on themselves. And as a hip hop professional, I never tell people that I'm the expert on them. And so I do a lot of work with relational intelligence and emotional intelligence. So that's how well you know yourself, but that's how you connect with other people. But that's understanding you and understanding that you are of importance, but finding out about you where when you go into the room with people um, like medical providers or other professionals that are experts, it's their job to listen to you because we work for you. So uh, from a diagnostic model, the things that I, the things that people describe to me helps me understand who they are. Um, but understanding that I don't treat diagnosis, I treat the whole person. And so when treating people with PTSD or treating people with depression or anxiety, I help them understand how they became who they are. But the important piece is teaching people that they have the power to live and they have the power to move forward because they've done it their whole life is how do we get past this traumatic experience? How do we understand what it meant and how it changed our lives whether it's positive or negative or for the worse, but then make a shift in a conscious effort to um, make the changes that necessary for them to win in life. Because um, everybody can win in life, um, but it's the choice. And then the choice is every day just putting one foot in front of the other um, and, and understanding that our emotions are alarms. So everybody was echoing the same thing about anxiety. And I talk to people about that every emotion we experience is an alarm. If I slam my hand in the door, the alarm that I'm feeling is pain. And so we know that because we can physically feel it. And so if I'm feeling butterflies in my stomach, if I'm feeling, if I have racist, you know, racing thoughts throughout my mind, you know, you know, it's someone to help me understand it, but I gotta acknowledge that, you know, something's not right about it and then go, get some help forward. You know, I, I'll tell this quick story. I remember when I was in, in deployed to Iraq and we had lost someone, you know, close to us. And I was in a room full of men and everybody, you know, was crying. And, and I was so disconnected from my emotions that I was looking around the room to see if it was okay to be who I was. So to experience it here now, of man, I'm overwhelmed. I'm sad. I'm confused. And I got all these emotions. But at that time, I wasn't emotionally aware or relationally aware that it was okay to be in the here and now. And so the people that come to see me, you know, I kind of help them understand that that's normal. And then what do we do from there? So emotional intelligence and relational intelligence is a big part of, you know, I think what we do as professionals, whether it's, you know, medical, whether, whether it's, you know, emotional or mental or whatever we do. The more we learn about ourselves and the more we empower ourselves, the more we can move forward. That was so well said. And I appreciate that so much. And I appreciate you sharing your story with us. It truly helps when we're able to relate and connect and 
get these personal things out there. It, it's a, honestly, it just means so much to me and I appreciate it. So thank you. Um, I think that one of the, like out of what you just said, one of the things that stood out to me to the most was the whole kind of just realizing when something isn't right. Ooh. So no, sorry, I just knocked my uh, picture off the wall onto myself. Um, but acknowledging uh, when something isn't right and utilizing that to go get help, even if you don't know what it is that is wrong, even if it's something that you're unfamiliar with, even if it's just a little off, just knowing that something isn't right and like, you know, starting to dive into figuring out what that may be. So thank you so much, Kendrick and Catherine. We're going to go on to you next. All right. There's a couple of things. One of the things that uh, Shane mentioned was the IDR labs to help people kind of screen and sort of get an idea of what's happening. Um, and in, in almost every country, there's a national health organization. And usually they have those screening tools um, available for people to use. And the reason I say this is because now with the advent of the internet, and with then with COVID and you know coaches popping out of nowhere, there are a lot of people with apps and screenings and different things to then tell you, ooh, there's something wrong with you and I can fix you. So it's always good to go to the well-established organizations and use their screening tools. And I wrote down IDR Labs because I'm gonna be using that <laughs> to help people from now on. But, um, and, and so that's important because you don't want to be led astray. And unfortunately, there are a lot of people who take advantage of those of us who are desperate, who are overwhelmed, and who really want help. And, you know, it's easy, what I call like the shiny penny syndrome, where it's like the newest thing out, the newest person out, the newest whatever, we just kind of chase, 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 chase. And, um, but there are well-established old standards that were good standards that are still available and it doesn't have to be something new for it to be good um the other i wanted to bring up was um you um we had talked about when i said to uh when you're not comfortable go to someone else often what i because i'm i'm a referral source i tend to think of myself as a primary or like the initial gatekeeper and that anyone who does counseling and um, as the referral. So when I say, you know, when you're with somebody and you don't feel comfortable, I'm meaning doctors basically, because that's often who we end up going to first. Um, because of the way, and I work with, um, I worked for many, many years with underserved populations. So I understand the need for counselors and the turnover. And so, yeah, uh, once you get in, <laughs> don't let go and trust the process, really trust the process. And it just, just know that you're, you know, there are people who have your um, well-being, your best well-being at heart. Um, and then the other thing I wanted to talk about was the mental to physical connection, uh, which is why I do use what I call a biopsychosocial system. And, and, and essentially that they're all interconnected. You cannot separate them. You can't separate your relationships from how you're feeling to how your body reacts to different things, to food, to people, to environment, to the ground, to the sun, it's all connected. And, um, and so when someone says it's in your head, it's, it's unfortunately in medicine, we have been taught to use that as a dismissal mechanism rather than to say, yes, it is. And that's why we're gonna address all of it, 
We're going to figure out why your stomach's hurting. We're going to get rid of the pain that your stomach is feeling, but we're also going to go after the cause of that, which maybe is anxiety. It could be something. It could be something you're eating. It could be something you're feeling. It could be a combination of the two, but you've got to address all of it or it's not going to go away. And there are what I always recommend is when going to a physician, look at their background, see where they went to medical schools. You can look up the philosophy of med schools. I went to Michigan State University. It's a primary care school. We were taught biopsychosocial system. I was trained at the University of Florida in Gainesville. We were taught holistic medicine and that it's not all about throwing a pill at someone. Our, our farm D was also an herbalist. So we learned how to use teas to help people get rid of headaches, not just throw Tylenol at them. You know, and so there are ways that you can find these things out and talk, to, you know, um, and then of course, some of this is about privilege. Um, you know, the more money you have, the more access you have, unfortunately. And so what ends up happening is that you have people who are truly, truly, truly in need. Like I have actually sat in a room explaining that one of my patients was depressed, had depression. We need to figure out how to get her help, get her counseling, get her medication that she can afford and everything. And the response was, and I'll be very direct. She was like, she's poor, black and old. Of course she's depressed. Yeah, but that doesn't mean she should have to suffer. <laughs> I don't understand. It was like, well, what do you expect to do? She's always going to be poor. She's always going to be black. She's always good. So she's always going to be depressed. There's nothing you can do about it. I mean, that was the response. And, and my feeling is, well, I'm not poor. Yes, I'm black, but I'm also a physician and I have depression. What do you say about me? And usually what happened is, well, you're not getting any sleep from residency. You're up on call all the time. Of course, you're feeling down. So unfortunately, what that means is that the people who are the gatekeepers are also the people who are trained in a system that is abusive, that creates mental illness, that are, and we're taught to ignore it. And so again, you look for people who are willing to listen, who are willing to um, connect all the dots, not just the mind-body dot, not just the interpersonal dots, but all of them combined because they are interconnected. And that's what I meant by, you know, if you don't find someone who will do that, go to the next person because the, we should all have access to primary care at least, you know, at least. And unfortunately, because of the way system, a lot of primary care doctors are, there's like a mass exodus of doctors from the system because insurance companies now, unfortunately, have dictated how we can treat. And so many of us are rem removing ourselves from the system and creating our own. And that's essentially what I end up having to do because I couldn't work within the system. 15 minutes does not give you enough time to find out why someone is hurting. It just isn't enough time. Thank you so much for that. Uh, wow. I just wanna say that I am grateful that, to know, I'm extremely grateful to know that there are people out, you who, people out there like you who have stepped out of the system to try to create other methods because it's reassuring. Because like you just said, the story you just shared made put a, a, a full on pit in my stomach when you think about the fact that the people that we reach out to help for, for help sometimes can turn around and say, well, of course they're going to be depressed. They're this, they're that, they're that. Oh, that's horrible. Unacceptable. No one deserves to feel that way, no matter what. However, 
Catherine just proved to us that there are other people out there that are working very hard to make sure that that is not the response that you get. So that is why it is important to not stop searching until you find who is willing to help you, who is able to help you, because they are out there. They are. And if you are being invalidated and you are being told that how you're feeling isn't real or that it's expected and that it is what it is, just learn how to deal with it. That's not an acceptable response. And it's important to keep going until you find someone who gives you the response that is going to help you. And oh, just thank you so much for that. And Shane. Yeah, like for the people who aren't able to watch the video, all of us like shook our heads and covered our faces whenever she talked about uh, uh, being black and depressed and, and, and sad. I was like, holy cow. Um, you know, but I've actually, you know, I've had clients come to me who sit here and they talk about, you know, uh, my doctor just told me that, you know, uh, you know, that I'm just going through a phase, you know, that, you know, that um, as an adult, you can't have ADHD, you know, and, you know, that boggles my mind. And, man, it's really frustrating, too. Now, I wanted to kind of touch on a couple of things. Um, Kendrick talked about, um, you know, our clients know themselves, right? Mm -hmm. You know, and this isn't a disagreement with them because, you know, they do know that there's something wrong, right? They understand that there's something wrong. But what a lot of people don't realize is there's things called rejection sensitivity dysphoria. And a lot of people with mental uh, health issues, uh, borderline personality disorder, depression, and ADHD, uh, especially uh, along with some autism tra uh, traits, there's a point where you get to, because we have issues with our emotional dysregulation, that we can't, we feel things more especially with ADHD people, you, you feel things more with, uh, you know, when you're sad, you're super sad when you're, you're hype, you know, when you're hyper, and you're really wanting to do something, you're really hyper, and you're really into something. When you're angry, you get very angry. And because we deal with a lifetime uh, of, of people criticizing us and being hyper, you know, uh, negative around us about ourselves, there's points in our lives uh, that when when somebody can sit here and say something to us, it will trigger a response in our brain. And because of how our emotions normally go to, you know, the amygdala, amygdala and the amygdala sends the signal to um, the, 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 oh, good Lord, I forgot the word. Catherine, you know brain, um, uh, um, you know, the uh, central cortex um, that it says, you know, hey, you should calm down. You're, you're, it's not that big of a deal. But the problem is with people with ADHD, we don't have that. It, it's very, that's a, actually smaller and may not even exist in many of us. So our brain immediately reacts to what just happened, to the criticism that we just heard, and we blow up. Or in the case of um, a lot of uh uh, women, not all women, but a lot of women, they completely shut down and they retreat back into themselves and they, 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 um, they hide. But with men with heightened aggression, aggression with people who are masculine, they, they have heightened aggression, they, they explode. And this, this is a very difficult thing for them to be able to deal with. Because anytime you try to tell them that they're, you know, that you know this is what they're going through they may hear 
you being critical, even though you're not trying to be critical, you're just trying to inform them of a situation that they're dealing with. And so you have to teach them what that means. And that's why learning about the disability and illness that you're going, uh, going through, um, that's why you have to teach them what the, what these things are. Uh, the same thing like imposter syndrome, where you constantly have been told that you weren't good enough and that you weren't living up to the expectations and things of that nature. You start to feel like any success that you have is by pure luck. It's a fluke. It's not meant, you know, you didn't uh, you didn't actually achieve it. You were just given it or anything like that. It doesn't matter, uh, you know, uh, you know, when people sit here and congratulate you, you know, we look at like people like Robin Williams, who was winning all of these awards and, and had brought laughter to millions and millions of lives. And he suffered horribly from imposter syndrome and depression and suicidal ideation and ADHD. And then there was just that moment where it wasn't enough. And he just took it, you know, he took his life. And the thing that I have to show them is that sometimes our brains lie to us and they tell us that we don't deserve help. We, they tell us that we don't deserve support. They tell us that we don't want to be a burden uh, to the people around us, that we're not successful, that we're not good people. Sometimes we feel like horrible people simply because we're suffering and we don't want to put our families through the suffering that we are dealing with. Mm -hmm. And that causes us not to get the support and help that we need. That mm -hmm. causes us not to know to reach out to people. And so as a coach and, you know, as, uh, as people who are therapists, you know, our roles are to kind of get people to recognize that and get them to kind of see these um, become become more self-aware and understand that they you know they need an objective viewpoint outside of themselves to identify what is imposter syndrome what is uh you know um rejection sensitivity how is that affecting you and then you've got to you have to show them that they can trust you to be honest and objective and truthful and that they can know that you're a safe person and you can do that with people in your lives that you can kind of vet and find and you know until you find the resources to um to be able to get you know the medical help that you need the therapy help that you need the coaching help that you need um finally and i, I promise i'll try to keep this short as uh, well um catherine talked about social and cultural situations you know when we look at the statistics for people with adhd we now recognize that it's massively underdiagnosed for people of color, uh, Hispanics and African-Americans, especially those who are in the poverty line who aren't able to get diagnosed or who have a cultural stigma for having um, very negative stereotypes of that badass little kid, you know, that kid who uh, you know, just keeps lashing out or the single parent who's not able to maintain the discipline her child needs or his child needs, the lack of a father figure and these, uh, these stereotypes that keep getting piled on people. You know, we, we completely ignore that the single parent has to work two jobs because we don't provide a, um, a, a living wage for one. We completely ignore that the inner city uh, schools and rural schools don't have the funding to hire teachers and support therapists and support psychiatrists who can identify 
issues that kids are dealing with. So we, we allow um, massive amounts of cases of misdiagnosed or underdiagnosed ADHD in people of, um, of, of color and people of certain social circumstances. We ignore that these kids are dealing with abuse at home that is rampant in our nation today because we don't have the resources and they don't have the resources to bring awareness to it. And it's just a, such a social issue that surrounds this. You know, we don't have access to healthcare for what, 30% of our nation? And these things is one of the reasons why I'm so adamant and you know uh, advocate for um, so much social change to bring awareness about ADHD and other mental illnesses. Um, one of the things I wanted to touch on is, and you kind of talked uh, talked about it, Shane, and then Kendra definitely brought it up, was um, emotional intelligence and self-awareness. And those are muscles that can be, uh, that they're skills that can be taught as Kendrick mentioned, but they're also muscles that can be strengthened and with exercises and giving people permission to do those things without it being, you know, that's not what we do, you know, in our community, we don't take medication, we don't do certain things. And I, I, I live in South Carolina, I hear a lot of things about, you know, I get a lot of Bible quotes thrown at me when I try to talk about treating for depression um, and anxiety. And often what I tell people is like, use the tools at your disposal. If they've been given to you and they're in your path and you've been offered them, then that is part of the way of you being taken care of by whoever it is that you believe in. You know, it's, it's not gonna be a lightning bolt. It's gonna be a person in your path that's gonna help you. But the other is uh, when we're talking about also like social um, uh, issues as well. But one of the um, one of the things that 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 Shane mentioned was this this what I call resistance, and we have we're in a situation where the very thing we need to help us believe that what's going to happen will work is the very thing that tells us it's not going to work, and so breaking through that cycle. Um, you know, it does take a little bit of work, but it takes trust. And if you don't trust yourself, which many of us don't in those situations, trust the person in front of you just for a moment, just by some leap of faith, take a leap of faith and um, try to break that whatever that thing is. Because the first thing we're going to say, oh, that's not going to work. I tried that before. That's not going to be, we have to trust the process. And I know that's difficult, but if you just have to start with one step, that can be that step. Just trust the process. That first initial, you know, I'm going to try this one more time, even if, because it may be different. It may sound the same, but it may actually be different from all the other times. Or it's happening in a different environment. You're a little bit older, you know, or you're in a different social environment or, you know, so that little thing was enough to just make that new, you know, that same thing work differently. And so, you know, I, I, a lot of people come to me for weight loss. And the reason they do is because in a lot of situations, people are like, if I lose weight, everything will be fixed. All I've got to do is lose this 20 pounds and my life, you know, my finances are going to suddenly improve. 
you know, I'll get a better job. I'll, I'll have a better relationship with my significant other. You know, I won't feel so depressed. I won't hate myself as much because I'll lose this weight. And so one of the reasons why I do so much screening is because I know people come to me for weight loss, but that's why they think that weight will help them is not the reason that they're feeling the way they are. And so it's, it, it's, I always look for the cause and the cause is usually some type of self perception that has absolutely nothing to do with weight and has everything to do with their environment, including, you know, their, their um, mental environment, because how you feel changes what food does in your body. And so if everything else is, is fine and you're anxious, what happens to, you know, what you eat determines whether it gets turned into fuel or gets turned into fat. And so if I ignore the fact that someone has ADHD and so they use munching as a way of getting through the day to keep them busy and keep their hands and whatever, then it's like, I, there's nothing else I can do that's going to work if I don't address it. Or if someone is depressed and they're eating emotionally and I say, well, stop eating emotionally. That's ridiculous. No one's gonna stop eating emotionally. You just change what they eat when they eat emotionally. I eat emotionally. We all eat emotionally. What do you think Thanksgiving is? You know, <laughs> that that's just what we do. Food should be fun. Should food should be so. You know, taking all of those things into consideration and all those people and all the the environment, the mental environment, the physical environment, the social environment, and having to look at all those things, not just what's in your head. And so one of the things that I often say to people, and this is something I tell myself all the time, don't believe everything you think. And once you start there, it's actually kind of a little bit easier to give yourself permission to ignore yourself and listen to somebody else. That all made so much sense. And I also want to thank you for highlighting some of the awesome points that Kendrick made as well, because those were some of the things I wanted to highlight and touch upon, but then I got distracted when the painting fell on me and I lost my train of thought. So like, I wasn't able to like get it out and I moved on quickly. So I'm really glad you brought us back to that idea of self-awareness and knowing yourself and some of those really important topics he brought up. You made a ton of great points just now with uh, how sometimes we have so many problems that get diagnosed Mis like that get misdiagnosed because we're not acknowledging the fact that it does start with the mental health. I mean, honestly, I have gone through phases where I have probably used a good majority of unhealthy coping mechanisms, trying to make myself feel better when realizing when, when things weren't working for me, I felt like I had to figure out how to fix it for myself. And there's been times I've overused alcohol. There's been times I've overused uh, like food, but not the good kind of food, like, like junk food and, and just excessive amounts of it to just feel better. But I also want to remind people, it's not just things that we can put into our body. Sometimes it's not overeating what we're consuming. It's not always alcohol, drugs, or food. Sometimes, yes, there we go, Catherine. Sometimes it's what we're watching. I've binged hours and hours and hours of shows to escape reality. There's so many, I have, I have endured unhealthy relationships to, to, fulfill some type of meaning that I felt like I was missing when really like it's all just an unhealthy coping mechanism. Sometimes we think that something is wrong with us when, and well, yeah, something is wrong, but we think it's something that it's not. We think it's something else. Like for example, 
When I was drinking a little too much, I thought that maybe I was an alcoholic. When I was eating too much, I thought maybe I had an eating disorder. When I was watching TV too much, I thought I was lazy. But no, I had severe anxiety. I had depression. I had PTSD. I had OCD. I had all of these things. I had ADHD. I had all these things that I finally learned what these all were, like what each of these have different meanings, what they could mean. And I realized that it wasn't that there was something permanently wrong with me. I was able to, once I was able to recognize what some of these things are, and I started doing my research and talking to other people, I was able to then become more self-aware of what it was that I was going through so that I could address each of them in the proper ways. Now, I want to also clarify, I still have my days. So even if you are getting the help, it's okay to still have bad days. That's going to happen. We are human. Thoughts, emotions, feelings are real. Obstacles are always going to occur. There's always going to be people who don't really want to see you succeed either. And you got to be prepared for each and every one of these things and know that it is okay that minor setbacks do not mean you have to start over. You can always continue moving forward. If you need to take a day, listen, if you are on a completely healthy track where you're coping very healthily with your mental health, and then you have a day or a week or however long where all of a sudden you fall back into your old habits and you unhealthily cope, that's okay. That's what you needed at that moment. That's fine. As long as you are able to shift back into that self-awareness and recognize that there are healthier ways to be able to take care of yourself. So instead of being hot on yourself when you deal with things in a not so great way, give yourself grace and allow yourself to get back on the horse and continue moving forward in a positive and healthy way. Um, I also wanna mention the imposter syndrome because that's been brought up a couple of times in a few different ways. And also it ties together with something that Catherine actually mentioned very early on. And she was talking about how Sometimes in her line of work, not even sometimes, generally generally in her line of work, if you're dealing with something on your own, you're more hesitant to reach out about it and get help because you're afraid to get flagged. You're afraid to get into, you're afraid that people are going to think that you're unable to help. You're afraid it could revoke your license. There are so many different reasons why you could be afraid to reach out for help. And I just want to share a quick little personal tidbit about that because as I mentioned, I am a Reiki master teacher and um, intuitive healer. So I do sessions with people constantly. I work one-on-one -on -one with people. And there was a point where I sat down in front of my therapist who I was seeing at the time. And I started hysterically crying. And I said, I'm a fraud. I have to stop. I can't practice this anymore because look at me, look at me. Like I'm a mess. I'm chaotic. Something's wrong with me. There's no way I can help other people because I'm crazy. And she looked at me and was like, first off, breathe because that's the best thing you can do when you're freaking out like that is breathe. And what she actually said to me was, Amanda, you are having trouble holding a space for yourself. You do not have a problem holding space for other people. So your issue is not that you are unable to help others. It's just that you need a you. So even if you are someone who believes that you have to have it all together, whether it be because you're a parent or a teacher or a practitioner, a doctor, a friend, whatever it is, even if you believe you have to have it all together, 
you're wrong because you are human. So it is okay that you are also going through things. It is okay that from time to time, things are going to happen that are not going to allow you to feel your best self. And you do not have to keep that to yourself. You do not have to be afraid that people are going to think that you are not who they thought they were, who you think, or let me rephrase that. You don't have to be afraid that people think that you're not capable of doing what you do because you are. You are good at what you do. You do what you do for a reason. You know your purpose and that's great. So just because things come up and things happen where you might not be your best, you might not be going through, you may be struggling. You may be struggling. That is all right. So don't let whatever role you've been told you're supposed to hold stop you from getting help. And don't allow it to make you think that you can't support others just because of the fact that you need support too. Thank you. <laughs> um, with that being said, we were talking about imposter syndrome is where I started with that because I have experienced it myself. Not to mention, I hope that this is enough of an example for people who are listening to be like, oh, there are people out there who can help us who are also going through it. And I hope that you're not sitting there thinking, oh, maybe I uh, shouldn't get a Reiki session with me. <laughs> no, because like I said, sometimes it's hard to hold space for yourself when it's still possible to hold space for others. But uh, Catherine did pop into the chat that she did a TED talk on imposter syndrome, which I cannot wait to find and watch first off. <laughs> um, but if you do want to add anything about imposter syndrome, please feel free to do so. Um, and I did notice Kendrick put his hand up first and then Shane. So I'm going to like hold back on my ranting. I'm going to completely mute my mic for a few minutes and let the three of you take it away. Well, I just wanted to jump in real quick, Amanda, um, because you did bring up imposter syndrome, but I wanted to talk to a piece that you talked about in finishing your question. I, I talk with people about a lot of times the purpose of wearing masks. So a lot of times, in, in relationships with co colleagues, coworkers, family, friends, we be what other people want us to be. So imagine being an actor or actress in your life. Everybody, you're, you know, you're, you know, a different character with, and because you're giving them what you think we want, what what they want. And I speak speak to it from the standpoint of, of my stance and as a therapist. A lot of times. As a therapist, you're meant to have all the answers, but in reality, you're not the person that has all the answers. And so you have to make sure that you are aware of what you're speaking to when you're, you're working with clients, but also, you know, that's how you help clients distinguish, you know, sometimes where they're going left in their relationships. Because if I have, you know, that superhero com complex where I gotta be what everybody wants me to be, where I don't give myself permission to ever have a down day. And so I'm giving everybody else what I need. And so I got to find some balance and I got to, you know, connect relationally. And I got to, you know, be like you said, your therapist told you, you need another you. Uh, that was a powerful statement because a lot of times in life, we're looking for another us and we're never going to find another us. So we have to be what we are to other people to ourselves. And once we do that, that's a key component of emotional intelligence and relational intelligence, because the more we learn us, the more we can navigate life um, through our own lenses. And we're not looking at life externally, 
by looking at what everybody else is doing and copying their, their answers. You know, I have my answers and the more confident I get with my answers, the better I walk and navigate life and the better I'm able to, you know, have balance and stability and focus on my own wellness. All right, I know I said I was gonna mute myself, <laughs> but I just wanna jump on that real quick because that was a great point. That was an extremely great point about emotional intelligence. And I'm so glad that you brought that up. Um, it's, it's tough at first when, when you sit there and you feel like you have to, like, I'm trying to think of where, okay. Basically, I just want to say that the reason, ooh, how am I trying to, oh, it's all up here and I can't get it out. So maybe muting myself would have been a good idea. Um, no, but what I was going to say is this is actually a great example of imposter syndrome <laughs> because I actually just went on to my topic with um, my little rant with each and every one of you just now speaking about that and then finished it with, I hope that you guys um, aren't afraid to have a Reiki session with me now because I just admitted to this. That's ridiculous. Um, I'm being vulnerable and open with you because I want everyone to understand the fact that I can relate that I've been here, that I've done this. And Kendrick made a good point. My therapist told me that I needed another me, but he was right. What I really needed was to learn how to be me for me. However, I wasn't able to do that until I did have that outside perspective like Catherine was talking about. So that other voice talking to me and helping me push down that ego and kind of heighten my emotional intelligence and my self-awareness and be able to, uh, like I was able to become that me for me only after finding someone who else from the outside who was able to help me first. So it all ties together in so many different ways. And what it really comes down to is finding what's best for you because sometimes you don't need outside help. Sometimes people do and are able to be self-aware enough to figure it out on your own. And that's fantastic if you are, and it's great. And it's also okay if you're like that 90% of the time, but then 10% of the time you need someone else's help or vice versa. 10% of the time you can do it on your own, but like 90% of the time you need something. Like, you know what I mean? It's really important to figure out the equation that works best for you. That way you're getting the help that you need because we're all different and we're all made up completely differently and in different ways. But on top of finding someone that can be there for you, the most important thing that Kendrick did say there that I want to highlight is it really is important to show up and be there for yourself. Yeah, I wanted to, to kind of speak on something that um, Catherine said uh, about weight loss, because I'm kind of a I'm, I'm a large guy. I, I was a, you know, I'm a part of multiple life coach groups and, you know, I was approached by a, um, you know, a, a fitness coach who wanted to talk to me about uh, being overweight. And the way that he approached me was, um, well, honestly, he approached me like I was completely ignorant of what I was going through. And that's such a detrimental thing to do to people. And like his approach was, hey, I noticed that you're kind of overweight. Um, you know, I do this program and I teach people how to 
uh, food diary and watch what they're eating and make sure that they're not putting the bad foods in their, uh, their bodies and uh, making sure that they're not doing this and this and this. And what people don't realize about ADHD and other mental disorders is because, again, you cope. Like Catherine said, you cope with how you eat. And the, the point of it is, is to eat healthy when you're trying to cope. But, you know, with ADHD brain, you don't do long-term reward systems. It doesn't work that way. You have to see results very quickly or have a reward happen very quickly. And you need constant emotional encouragement to keep moving forward through the thing. And when he, when he approached me about that, I, I got really angry. I said, what, so do you mean that I need to make sure that I'm eating less than 2,300 calories a day because I weigh, I'm six foot one and I weigh 385 pounds? You know, do you mean that I need to be making sure that I'm putting these types of macronutrients in my diet, make sure that I'm using less carbs, making sure I'm burning more calories per day than I'm putting in at, at least this level? You know, do you mean that I need to be making sure that I'm not eating so many uh, processed uh, foods and sugars and making sure my, I'm drinking at least 100 uh, ounces of water a day? And he was like, uh, well, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's, that's, I was like, how do you know that I didn't already know that? I was like, this is a poor way to approach people if you're trying to um, educate them about their service, uh, your services and what you want to do. Thinking that we don't already know how to do these things and how we are supposed to do these things causes so much damage to us ask the questions you know as and, and this is for providers and, and and coaches and and everybody ask the questions and find out where people are in their own journey and then find out where you can kind of customize the system for them and this is a criticism of my very profession as a life coach there's so many life coaches out there. They aren't in this for the the helping of people. They are in this they are in this career to make money off of people. They charge five hundred, a thousand dollars an hour because they want to market themselves to these people who are able to afford these ginormous rates. And in doing so, they completely forget the actual purpose of what it means to be a provider, a, a, a supporter, a coach. And that is because we are called to help people. And that's so frustrating. And that's my biggest criticism is because they have this ideal that they think that they can be the one person who can solve that problem for every single person, but they ignore the di diversity of the, the human mind and the human body and what every person is kind of going through. And they create these single issue solutions without any real basis for paying attention to how different that we all are. And so I wanted to kind of share that story and I wanted to kind of share that rant because it's been on my mind for the last few days because of that happening. Um, and I just really appreciate this group as a whole really coming together and showing how much you care and how much you really want to make a change in the various things that we do and provide awareness of how mental health is affecting everybody and provide support in that holistic manner. I, I've been really, really cheered on about this for this entire time and it's been amazing for me. So, sorry. <laughs>
I, I, no um, sorries. Oh God. <laughs> I was just saying no apologies, no yeah. sorries. I appreciate um, everything everyone A couple things, because I want to stuff up something that Shane said. Um, I, I am an emotional eater, happy eater and sad eater. So if I'm happy, I eat. If I'm sad, I eat. If I'm just neutral, I can do without. It's just the way. So, um, and so I'm just going to throw a trick out there that I tell people. Crunchiness. We like crunchy. When we're emotional eaters, we like crunchy. We tend to go for the carbs uh, because our, our body physiology makes us do that. What's in our brain, we just, we, our cortisol goes up, we want carbs. That's just all there is to it. So it's a stress reaction. However, carrots are also carbs and dipping them in hummus is also kind of a carb, but it's a healthy carb. And so essentially what I do, <laughs> and I'm gonna, I, my whole counter in my kitchen is covered in food. So every time I walk by, I grab something and eat it, but it's always, a, you know, something that I can chomp on, you know, or, or a charcuterie board where it's cheese and salami and whatever. I don't pay any attention to calories. I just want chompy's food. And if I can chomp on it, I just chomp all day long and I just leave it out so I can see it. And that's what I chomp on. And essentially that's what I tell people to do. And it's, it's, it works. It's worked for me and it's worked for many people. So anyway, that's my tip. Um, but one of the things we mentioned is like, you know, there are different components and that's why it's like, I always say that it's sort of like a stew. You find your stew. Everyone's ingredients are different. Everyone's ingredients are in different amounts. But once you get that stew, it sustains you for the rest of your life. And, you know, you might have to change a few ingredients here and there if you're, you know, a woman going through menopause and it does, you know, play mind tricks. So there are a few things you got to adjust. If you are, you know, someone who is a, an athlete their whole life and then suddenly gets injured and they can't, you know, um, perform physically in the way they could before, there's another, there are different ingredients you've got to put in there. And so the, the key is to find those components and learning how to shift them according to whatever you need to pivot in in your life at any given time. And again, finding the people around you who can help you do that and not criticizing you for having to do that. Um, is the other. Um, and another is that Shane brought up, when you are a true healer, you really don't care who does the healing as long as it happens. Um, I can't tell you how many times people have had consultations with me and get so surprised when I say, I'm not the person for you, but I'll help you find the person who is. And they're just like, wait, isn't this your, what you do? Yes, but not at a cost to someone else's, at the expense of someone else's need to get better. If I, I know what my limitations are and I will not take someone on just because they can afford to pay me, that just doesn't, it's not how it should work. And so always, again, like I said before, beware of someone who says you have this pathology and I'm the only person who can help you fix it. Um, but I want, did wanna to touch on imposter syndrome because I did do a TED talk on imposter syndrome and the actual title is imposter syndrome by any other name is bravery. And the reason is, is because imposter syndrome is a projection. Someone put that on us. We didn't put it on ourselves. It used to be called imposter phenomenon. And what it was, was a societal issue saying that, you know, society told you, you didn't belong here. And so they're trying to make you think you don't belong here. And so rather than having to do the lifting, heavy lifting themselves to get you out of here, we're going to put it on you. And then what happens is the person then internalizes it and then says, I don't belong here. But it's also tied to achievement. You don't have imposter couch potato. 
nobody who sits around all day says, oh, I should not be doing this. I'm, you know, I, I, I'm worse than this. So it's always a tie to someone doing something above what they think they should be doing, which means it's achievement, which means that you get there by doing things in spite of how you're feeling. And if you can do things in spite of how badly you're feeling, and if you do things in spite of thinking you shouldn't, if you do things in spite of thinking you couldn't do them or don't have the ability to do them, then you're pretty brave. I mean, that that's, that's takes quite a bit of gumption. It takes a lot of fortitude. It takes a lot of strength to be there and maintain that. And so that's essentially what, um, you know, what my talk was about, essentially, is that if you're there, just having imposter syndrome in and of itself is an indication that you are doing well, because you can't have it if you're doing badly. I've never heard it put that way before. Um, and I, I love it. I'm blown away. Like I said, I cannot wait to actually listen to your full TED talk. And as long as you give me the permission, um, I will actually also add it right into the description of this video. That way others can go follow and check it out as well. Um, like I said, I'm someone who has dealt with imposter syndrome. So that just made me feel real good. <laughs> it's, it's on YouTube under Katherine Harmon Tumor. Awesome. Thank you so much, Catherine. And Jamie, I'm excited to hear what you have to add to this. I'm kind of forgetting because there's so much stuff. Um, I wanted to ask, Catherine, uh, when you said around uh, the, um, the muscles can change, I just did a training with Bessel van der Kolk a couple weeks ago, and he talked about the brain being very neuroplastic. And so the brain can change. And Shane, you spoke about how the amygdala might be smaller. Um, I've learned a lot about, they showed brain scans of people who have suffered traumatic events versus brain scans of those who have not suffered traumatic events. And the areas that light up are all different. And it was just so incredibly fascinating. Um, so uh, the psychoeducation around telling people that my husband has severe ADHD. His angry outbursts, holy mother of God. Are you kidding me? Like, please, can we please? And it is who he is and we all have to support him and not criticize and not be angry and be understanding. In DBT, we call that be willing and radical acceptance. Be willing to accept the reality for what it is. You know, he has severe ADHD and severe emotion dysregulation. Um, so having that understanding, that empathy and that compassion, that leads me into a story of a person that I was working with who, um, we talked about, Shane, you talked about, you understand exactly what you need to do. You have all of the knowledge. I work with a person who's chronic suicidality. And I said to this person, can you tell me some safety steps? for somebody who suffers with this kind of thinking um, to help protect themselves. So we had a conversation. Should there be a gun in the house? No. If there is a gun in the house, where should it be? In a locked cabinet. Where should the ammunition be? Somewhere far else. Like, so there's many steps because we know Robin Williams in an impulsive moment ended his life. 
this person's telling me all of the right things, all of the things that need to protect her from acting impulsively. Are you willing to do that? Absolutely not. I'm sorry, what? So I go to my team, you know, and thank goodness, dialectical behavioral therapy allows for a consultation team. We are a team of people treating a team of people. So we're not left hanging all by ourselves. So I can talk to the case manager. I can talk to the prescriber. I can talk to my other colleagues, you know, I'm like, what do I do with this? Empathy, compassion, understanding. Um, borderline personality disorder is very, very much so biosocial. There's a biological component that makes somebody with BPD um, has an emotional sunburn. If I look at somebody cross-eyed, all of a sudden that person's life is no longer worth anything and they should end it because their therapist look at, looked at them cross-eyed. I mean, the, the sadness, like you said, Shane, is on a level that is so sad. The anger is on a level that is so angry and it's a slower return to baseline. Oh, yes. Oh. I'm going to end with, um, in terms of the imposter syndrome and something that I share, I, I learned about myself last week, the emotional, emotional intelligence. Um, we were in COVID. I worked from home all of 2020 and all of 2021. Um, last April, my supervisor called me and said, you have an astronomical amount of vacation time. And if you don't use it by June, you're going to lose it. Oh, all right, I'll take a week off. I have never been so depressed in my life, taking a week off in April. I didn't know who I was, what I was doing. You know, if I was not a therapist helping people who were suicidal or if I wasn't focused on my child who needs my help because of her physical stuff and her anxiety and her OCD, or if I wasn't trying to help my husband do like through his 80, I don't know who I was. And, it, and that was a real eye-opening experience and so from that point on, Saturdays, I do absolutely nothing. Saturday is my day to do, I don't do laundry, I don't cook, I don't talk to anybody, I don't answer the phone, I don't do social media, I might watch some TV. Um, but just learning how I need to understand who I am if I'm going to try to help other people understand who they are. So, thank you. Can I, can I add to that when you say identity self how we identify ourselves is so important um and i learned that first and when i talked about how i had to you know basically save my own life i i was told i had five years and a 50 chance of living five years which meant i couldn't practice medicine i had just spent the better part of my life getting to the point where i could be a doctor and then was told sorry you can't it will kill you if you do and so I had to take, I took, ended up taking almost nine years off, but ended up shifting to being the very thing that I went to med school to avoid, being a housewife. I didn't want to be a housewife, so I went to med school. <laughs> That's what I became. And then I was like, well, okay, I'm this, so I'm going to go all in. I ended up homeschooling my children. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I went from one extreme. So I just changed my identity. And so, and, and the time that I realized that I had to accept who that was, was when I started putting together my CV and I almost didn't put homeschool teacher on there because I was like, I didn't want to be identified 
as that mom. And then I was like, that's ridiculous. And I think that happens a lot with us with any diagnosis, whether it's diabetes, hypertension, you know, uh, cancer, even um, depression, ADHD, we often reject the identity or we embrace it so strongly that we can't pull ourselves out of it, away from it. And, um, but one of the things that we talked about when I say a muscle, I also am very clear about using the tools at your disposal. So often what I tell people is that if you're, many times we're diagnosed and we try to make changes to pull ourselves out of that diagnosis, it's like pushing a boulder up a hill. And so often what I'll tell people is, you know, we're going to start here with medication, get you stable on the best medications that we can. And here's your muscle. And we're going to start doing this. We may get all the way here so you can come off your medicine and you're only got your muscle working for you. Or we're going to stay right here, whichever works. We'll just find some happy medium and it may be less medicine, more muscle, but we're going to start working. And, and or it may just stay here forever. Because if you're functioning and you're fine and your life is okay and you're like, look, I don't have the bandwidth to start trying to figure things out, but I'm fine and, and I'm socially okay, I'm biologically okay, and I'm psychologically okay, then it's fine. We'll just leave it where it is. But, you know, there's that balance and you can decide where that balance in a partnership, where that balance is. And it just sounds like you have a really good system of partnering with people because I think that's where people often feel like they're being spoken to or spoken at and not being spoken with and when that happens magic happens that is so true and it really does come down to that, like that whole finding the balance of what works best for you, being able to connect with others and have that support system where you're not just feeling attacked because who wants to feel attacked? Even if you're completely mentally healthy at all times, you don't want to feel attacked. <laughs> so imagine if you're struggling and then someone comes at you in a way where you feel like they're attacking you, it's not, it's not going to go so well. So I think that those were some incredible points that everyone has made here. Uh, this has been such a fantastic, fantastic discussion. And I'm just so grateful that each of you have joined us. Like this was just so incredible. And before we do a little final uh, wrap up here, there's one little fun thing that I wanna do. And cause here's the thing, we, I'm sure it's not just me. I know we, I could go on and keep talking about all of this forever. And I'm sure you guys have stuff to do but I know you also have lives and it is Saturday. So I, I don't wanna keep you too much longer. Um, so we will wrap this up. Although I will publicly invite each and every one of you back on this show. You're welcome at any time whether it's as a guest alone or as if you feel like doing another group thing we can, whatever, we'll, we'll circle back to that. But uh, before we wrap this up one thing I do want to do that I thought could be a little fun is a little resource speed round. So what I mean by that is we've talked about how there's so many different resources that can be used, but there's way too many for us to name those all right now. So I thought that what could be fun is almost like a little popcorn, uh, popcorn round where we each pop out some of our favorite resources. And now one thing I also want to mention though, it doesn't have to be anything medical. It doesn't have to be nonfiction. Whatever it is that has helped you in some way or that you've utilized for someone else. Now I'll give you a quick example of what I mean when I say it doesn't need to be nonfiction. 
one of my favorite books to use when I'm feeling down that helps with my imposter syndrome, for example, is The Alchemist. I love reading that book because it reminds me of what I'm capable of. It reminds me that I can endure different struggles, different obstacles, and that things aren't always gonna go my way and that the final destination might not be exactly what I thought it was going to be, but that I will get there. So that's one of my absolute favorite resources. So Catherine, what's one of your favorite resources? Um, there's two. Um, one is psycho-cybernetics, which essentially is a way of manifestation um, and, and using your brain in order to manifest the things around you um, and systems around you and creating systems and, you know, kind of mimicking systems. And for me in medicine, because we are a, 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 an organization of systems that interconnect, it really spoke to me. Which also brings me to my next resource. I'm very science-minded, so um, the other is called the Living Cell. And interestingly enough, my father was a physicist, and I asked him a question. Don't ever ask a physicist a question; no, <laughs> it will just confuse you for the rest of your life. But he gave me this book at nine years old, this thing. But I've always I, I've kept it, and essentially what it it is it's a book that starts from the atom and then connects it to every single level all the way to the universe so you start from the atom it goes to you know the molecule then, then it goes to the cell it goes to the then you know the the organs and the system and so you realize your connection from the to the universe essentially and that and to be before you and beyond you and um, I find that that helps me with maintaining my purpose because having a plan and having a purpose keeps me focused in a way that um, keeps me out of my own head. I love that. And you're totally speaking my language. <laughs> I cannot wait to check that out. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. And how about you, Shane? Um, uh, I had a moment because, you know, fuck ADHD. Um, because, like, there's so many out there for me. Um, okay, so um, I talked about it earlier, idrlabs.com. There's uh, multiple mental health tests on there that you can take to get an idea of what you may be dealing with. Um, and a lot of them, there's also a lot of really fun, just, you know, shits and giggles tests as well. Um, but a lot of the mental health, uh, tests have these sources for where the diagnostic questions come from. And a lot of them are based on actual testing that, uh, psychiatrists use, which is really great. And I love that they source where they, uh, take the questions from. It's not a diagnosis. It's nothing. It, it's not meant to be, but it can give you a direction to go when you talk to your doctor so you can find the specialist to get tested to see if that's what it is. Because even if you don't have that thing, that helps you because now you know you don't have that, you know. Um, and then there's a book by uh, Dr. Ned Hallowell called ADHD 2.0. And in that book, he talks about how ADHD isn't really, um, 
it shouldn't really be classified as a mental illness or a mental disorder, but that it should be recognized more as uh, um, traits that are along a spectrum of these different things that people are going through with a specific type of neuro um, um, neurochemical neurostructure in their brains. Um, you know, with all the uh, things that we've kind of learned about how different the ADHD brain is, we need to recognize that this is more of a neurotype and not simply a disorder. It is a social disorder because our society is built around a certain type or a, a thought of neurotypical. Um, and we need to start recognizing ADHD is um, similar to how autism is being treated as a, just a different neurotype. Um, finally, I have to plug my group, uh, or, you know, the group I moderate for, uh, ADHD men's support group on Facebook. Uh, if you just search for that and, um, you'll be able to go there and, you know, there's a lot of support systems out there for women. And I, I'm, I'm only doing this because this is my favorite. Um, but it is the place where men can go and be vulnerable, ask questions, even anonymous, anonymously, damn words, um, and and really get um, truly um, open and honest answers from a large group of people who are all going through the same thing you're going through and not feel any judgment or um, be overly critical or things of that nature. And it's just a safe place to just vent and get your, the, that aggression and anxieties and get it all out of your system and process things. We also have biweekly um, uh, group support sessions. We also have weekly um, group discussions um, and we do accountability and body doubling sessions uh, twice a week so that people are able to start using these tools to kind of gain a little bit of uh, structure in their lives and having you know resources if they don't have the money for coaching or therapy or psychiatry you know we're not a we're not a stand-in for any of those but we're a place to feel safe and be open and and have discussions about these things that you're going through we don't allow spam we don't we don't try to sell to anybody we we just want you to have a place to be safe um and i'll post all that in the thing so that, you know, if uh, Amanda wants to link to it, she can. Thank you so much, Shane. Those are great resources. And it was another fantastic example about how there are stuff out there. Luckily, that when you can't afford some of the help that we may need, there is some ways to find affordable or free help, even on social media. So that was a great example. Thank you so much for sharing that. And that was a good point too. Before I keep going, I will say, um, I, any, I will have any of these panelists who feel comfortable sharing any links to resources toward their own work. Um, I'm gonna have them send all that to me and I will make sure that that's available and accessible into the description of the video. That way anyone can reach out and find them as well. Um, I'm gonna pop over to Jamie and then um, we'll go from there. Kendrick will be next. In terms of resources for me, um, again, Marsha Linehan, this is the DBT skills training handout and worksheets. So DBT has four modules. One is mindfulness. One is emotion regulation, interpersonal effectiveness. How can we create decent relationships and distress tolerance? So if I had to pick my favorite resource of what I tap into right now, even for myself, because I'm a better person when I use 
these coping skills and not my maladaptive coping skills. I'm a better mother and partner when I'm able to take a moment to pause before reacting to a situation. So I'm gonna plug Marsha Linehan. She wrote a memoir two years ago called Building a Life Worth Living. She tells her story. She didn't tell her story until she was in her 70s. Um, break the stigma, you know? So um, Behavioral Tech is offering trainings for dialectical behavioral therapy. And um, yeah, I'm gonna go with that. Thank you. Hey, so I, a couple of resources. I'm really big on meaning in life. So one thing I, I would suggest, so I'm big on the movie, um, The Secret Life of Walter Mitty. It has so many hidden gems in that. So I often, you know, give that to new people when I, when I focus on self-awareness or gaining awareness. Um, the book is Relational Intelligence by Dr. Darius Daniels. Um, and in, in two different therapy treatments that I think is significant for uh, trauma um, is prolonged exposure therapy and cognitive processing therapy. Um, so not that you want to, you know, practice those treatments, but pulling, um, I guess, important information from um, those treatments, uh, the vaginal and the vivo exposure, and the uh, components of helping people heal when they're dealing with traumatic experiences. I think, you know, pulling from all of those things can really be beneficial in, in any work that we do. Um, and so, like I said, I'm, I'm big on, you know, movies. So a lot of time I, you know, show uh, clients or, you know, give clients information about finding movies so they can see themselves. Because again, I don't have all the answers, but sometimes we can see ourselves in characters or we can find ways that we want to shift and change. So I think that's a powerful way for us to gain meaning and you know find new ways to shift in life. So um, thank you again. Thank you so much. And something just came to me that I can't believe I didn't even think to mention um, when we were talking about like affordable, affordable um, resources. Listen to a podcast. <laughs> Go on YouTube. And there's so, those are options, you know, because even books, you do have to pay for books sometimes, but I don't know if you all forgot, because I know I do sometimes. Go to the library. There are ways to get these resources that cost money in different ways. Um, Honestly, and it goes the same as when you're looking for a physician or when you are looking for the help out there in the world, the same thing goes for the podcasts or for YouTubes. Don't just listen to one episode of one person and then decide it's never going to work. Sift through and listen to a few different people or watch a few different people, whatever method you choose to follow. And, you know, go through and find someone that resonates with you. Mm -hmm. Because I know that on my own mental health journey, there were times where like people told me the same thing, like over and over and over and over. And it wasn't until the right person said it, that it actually clicked for me, which was why Catherine made a great point like very early on about um, how she, she, can, she considers herself someone in referrals. Like she'll send you to someone else if it's something that she can't do. It's something, or not that she can't or something, maybe it's just it's something she, someone really else can do differently. Mm -hmm. And I do the same thing. Sometimes I send people to someone who does the exact same thing that I do, just because I know they do it a little bit differently, because that is the way to go. Like there are so many different ways to get help out there. And it's really important to find what and who resonates best for you. 
So I definitely suggest checking out any of these resources that we've shared with you today, trying to um, follow along with any anyone who has spoke here. I'm sure if you follow along with them on their journey, also have other stuff that you may be able to go check out and um, utilize as well. And can I, I add mean, one? Sorry. Well, you can go. And the reason I want to add this is because I mentioned that, um, you know, often the first line of, of, you know, contact is a primary care doctor. And a lot of things that hinder people is because they can't find one or can't afford one, or they think because they don't have insurance, they can't go to one. All throughout the country, uh, in the United States, there are what are called community health centers. And they are federally funded. And they are based on a sliding scale if you don't have insurance. So you can see a doctor for as little as, you know, $30 if necessary, which is, you know, less than a soda a day. Um, and so they're always, there. and so if you go into the, what's called um, the health and human services, hhs.com or .gov, sorry, hhs.gov, you can find a list of all of them everywhere. And they are everywhere, rural, communities, cities, everywhere. And so that's a good place to start if you are worried about not being able to afford a physician or you don't have insurance and you just want to see someone as a first line. That is a fantastic resource that I had no idea existed. So thank you so much for sharing that with us, seriously. Um, I, I'm blown away by all the stuff that we put out here today. I know it was a lot. Uh, so for those of you who are listening, who joined us, who are watching, however it may be, to all of our audience, I want to thank you all so much. This is a heavy topic and it can be really scary. So thank you so much. And if you listened to this and you're still confused or you're still worried, please feel free to reach out. I mean, I can't speak for anyone else here, but I can say uh, you can always reach out to me. It looks, uh, I got to feel that it looks like they all agree. <laughs> um, so if, you know, please don't hesitate to reach out if you want to dive a little deeper. Uh, I, like I said, hopefully I'll have each and every one of them back on the show. So I'm sure we'll dive into some of these topics a little more at some point anyway. This has just been such an incredible conversation that again, I, it just means so much to me because it's something that I believe that to some degree we all experience, whether we realize it or not, because we may not all experience it daily, but we at least will at some point in our lives because things are always gonna happen that are gonna knock us off our feet and make us not feel our best. So it's good to be able to find these resources, to be able to look for the help when we need it and to be able to go from there. Um, you know, I never really plug myself on my own show, but one thing I do want to point out because Shane actually mentioned his Facebook group, I realized I've never really shared with you all that I actually have a Facebook group as well called Wicked Smart Wellness VIP. That's smart with an H. I spell it how I say it. <laughs> uh, so Wicked Smart Wellness VIP, that's on Facebook completely free. And we do yoga classes, guided meditations. There's a bunch of different stuff on there. Sometimes people go in and play live music. Sometimes we just share some art we created. Sometimes it's, it's just all different things, but the whole point is for it to be a safe space. So if you are looking for a safe space, that isn't gonna cost you any money. Um, that is something I wanna put out there. And we are really wrapping this up for real, but as I plugged myself, Shane did plug his himself. I wanna make sure that um, our other panelists have a chance to do that too. If there's anything else that you guys have, please let us know. Um, cool, it looks like everyone's saying they're good, which means, like I said, I'll add whatever links 
into the description that they've shared with. Um, and even what I just said, it wasn't even meant to be more so a plug, more so as it's a resource. <laughs> I want you to be able to utilize it if necessary, because that's what it's there for. So um, to finish this up, Again, I just want to thank you all. I want to thank you all so much for joining me, each and every one of you here on this panel. It was incredible to meet you and to chat with you and to be able to share this discussion, answer some questions. I mean, I know I learned a lot. Like I learned stuff that I didn't know. So I know that this is going to be able to help other people as well. And I'm just so grateful. I'm just so grateful for that. And I just also want to thank our audience for tuning in to yet another episode of Mindfully Chaotic, because when I first started this, it was actually a test towards my own ADHD, Shane. <laughs> I've been talking about my podcast forever, and I had to um, realize one day that instead of overthinking it, I had to just go for it. And it's been quite the journey so far. So I'm honored to have been able to have this panel with you guys and to be able to put this on the show. I thank each and every one of you. And before I say goodbye, and before we stop recording, I just wanna share with you something. Um, because as I mentioned, I am an energy practitioner. I'm a Reiki master teacher. So I do practice an alternative form of, of healing. And Reiki is an ancient form of Japanese healing is actually where it's rooted from. So before we sign off, I just want to share with you the Reiki ideals, because they have a very deep meaning in general, but they also hold a very deep meaning within my own heart. And I, I just want to remind everyone that it's important to live moment to moment because it's just too much when you're trying to live in the past and you're trying to live for the future. It's too much. You're putting too much pressure on yourself. So with that being said, I'm going to share the Reiki ideals with you. Um, I will say them in Japanese first, because I want to hold true and respect um, where they come from, but then I will also share how they're loosely translated. Kayo dake wa oko luna. Kayo dake wa shinpai suna. Kayo dake wa kansha shite. Kayo dake wa gu Haje me. Kayo dake wa hito ni shinsetsu ni. Just for today. Don't get angry. Just for today. Do not worry. Just for today. Be grateful. Just for today. Work hard. Just for today, be kind, not only to others, but to yourself. And those words just ring so true. It's one of my favorite mantras. Sometimes I have to say those to myself just to bring myself back down over and over. Kayo dake wa, just for today, just for today. Because that is all you have to do in life is take it one day at a time. Give yourself grace, show up for yourself first. And as long as you are doing that, everything else is gonna end up falling into place along the way. And I truly mean that from the bottom of my heart. And I speak from experience as well, as someone who has had days that I thought it would never get better. As someone who has spent time crying on my floor 
in my shower, in my bed, in my car. I've had some ugly days, but they're all gone now. And here I am, just like here you are, here each and every one of you are, because you are showing up for yourself. And for the record, even just listening to this podcast today was doing that. So please show yourself some gratitude for listening to all of this as well. Once again, just thank you all so, so much for joining us today. We heard from some incredible people, those still with us, Kendrick Bailey, Shane Thrapp, Jamie Sullivan, Catherine Toomer. It was so incredible to talk to you all. I'm Amanda Marie. Thank you so much for listening to Mindfully Chaotic. And do not ever forget that you are not alone. You are not alone. And brighter days are always ahead, no matter what. Sending love and good vibes to each and every one of you. Thank you.